Hello everyone, I'm Luke Worsham and welcome to the 3 and Out podcast. If you joined us last week, we previewed the NFL draft and I was joined by my editor at Titan Size, Matthias Wadner. He is back with me today to recap last week's draft, which was a very deep draft. There were some shockers, there was a little bit of everything, so welcome back Matthias, glad you're with us again. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm ready to talk about this draft, especially because I think a lot of teams got a lot better just by just by this draft. Before we hop into talking about the draft, I want to address some news that's just come out, not really breaking because it's been kind of on the verge of happening for a couple days. Jamal Charles just signed a deal with the Denver Broncos. Charles and Adrian Peterson were kind of the two older free agent running backs that we know have been so good when they were in their prime yet are now over the age of 30. The Charles signing makes a lot of sense to me. The Adrian Peterson <clears throat> signing made zero sense to me. What's your take on both of those players and where they ended up? Yeah, the Peterson signing, I hate it absolutely because I really like Mark Ingram. I think he's been treated unfairly, honestly, by Sean Payton. I mean, he was giving Tim Hightower carries ahead of him when Mark Ingram was doing fine. Um, I'm not sure what Adrian Peterson is even going to do anymore. He looked horrible last year. Uh, granted, he was behind a terrible offensive line, but before he got injured, he looked really slow. Uh, as for Charles, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what he's going to do. I'm not sure how much he's going to play. They, clearly, they don't like Devontae Booker, They're the rookie they drafted last year. He didn't show much in his first season, and I don't think they like C.J. Anderson that much, or at least they don't think they're not counting on him because he's been injured and I don't think he's been able to play a full season yet so we'll see what happens one of my favorite parts of watching the Titans play in person at Nissan Stadium aside from you know watching the Titans play is I love when they play NFC teams and I get to see someone play that I don't get to see a lot like it was awesome to watch Aaron Rodgers last year and it's not an NFC team, but I got to watch Khalil Mack and Vaughn Miller, and I, I always love watching Andrew Luck. But and I was super excited to watch Adrian Peterson because he, he's one of my favorite players of all time, and he just laid an egg, and it was really disappointing. Yeah, that oh, he. Look, I mean, I wasn't there, but he looked so slow in that game. Uh, granted, Sean Hill was at quarterback, and uh, and their offensive line isn't good, but he's, he's lacking any of the explosion he used to show. I wonder if, and I tweeted about this yesterday, if the Saints would have any interest in trading Mark Ingram because they, they clearly, what's he going to do? They, they sign Adrian Peterson to play on first and second down and they draft um, the, the running back out of Tennessee, Alvin Kamara, to play on third down. What What is Ingram's role at this point? I mean, I'm really not sure what they're going to do with him. I mean, last year they were using him in the pass game a lot more than expected. I think he caught like 50 passes or something like that, which a lot of people didn't see coming. He's really good. I really don't know why they don't like him, but I could definitely see a trade in the works, especially after they after they traded up for Kamara. So let's hop in and talk about the draft. And let's first just hop right in and talk about who our favorite non-Titans pick from day one of the draft favorite non-titans pick i mean the miles garrett pick obviously was great uh i hate to say it but malik hooker going to the colts was that's a home run pick right there especially for a defense that struggled so much to get uh, a rangy safety like hooker who could pretty much cover the back end just by himself that that was a home run pick for chris ballard 
Aside from Vontae Davis, who's been a perennial pro bowler every single year, it seems like, that Colts defense has had really zero talent to speak of lately. And I think Hooker could be the kind of guy that really transforms a defense. Yeah, they also got uh, Quincy Wilson out of Florida, who, I mean, the the feelings on him are sort of mixed, but I really liked him. So when I saw him go to the Colts, I was I was a little bit upset. But, I mean, yeah, they've, they've stockpiled a lot of defensive talent on that on that team in this off sheet in this off season so we'll see if it all comes together hopefully it doesn't and they won't be that good but it looks like they're they're on the upswing who was someone that fell particularly on the first two days that surprised you and my answer to that question oj howard surprised me but more than anything zach cunningham falling to the late second round really caught me off guard yeah, I did not see that coming. I mean, apparently uh, he's not as athletic as a lot of teams uh, would like, but, I mean, he was so productive at college, and I, I liked him for the Titans even in the in the late first round if we would have uh, traded back. I also I agree with you on O.J. Howard. I didn't think he would fall to 19, and when he was there at 18, I thought the Titans would definitely consider it. I'm sure they did consider it, but, yeah, that was a little bit surprising. Also, Jonathan Allen, I thought, I thought he was going top 10. I thought maybe he was in consideration at the five pick for the Titans, but yeah, no, he fell to 17 right before that number 18 pick, so that was surprising. One thing that uh, when when the 49ers took Solomon Thomas, I had I think Solomon Thomas is a five technique defensive end at the end of the day, but the 49ers if that's the case, if he is a five-technique defensive end, that makes three years in a row that the 49ers have used one of their first-round picks on a five-technique defensive end. It was Eric Armstead, and last year it was DeForest Buckner. And you have Solomon Thomas again, so I guess they're they're planning to play him on the edge. It just seemed, I mean, it was best player available, but it just seemed like an odd pick, and that, that wasn't a, really a position of need. Yeah, they clearly liked them a lot because, as you said, Armstead and Buckner, they, they pretty much play the same position, and none of those guys are going to play nose tackle in their 3-4 defense. They could play Thomas on the edge, but I don't. I, I think he's much better on the defensive line. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they said that Foster was a consideration at number three. I don't believe that for a second. That Every team is going to say that, that what a guy that fell that they got was a top five player on their board. I, I don't believe that. It's like, I think it was a month ago or two, around the time of the Combine, Bill Polian came out and said that, you know, the Colts had a first-round grade on Tom Brady, but they didn't take him because, of course, they had Peyton Manning. That's classic Bill Polian. He's been saying that ever since he retired. Uh, So who who is the biggest, you think, shocker on day one of the draft? My answer is Mitchell Trubisky. It's hard to go other uh, with another choice. Uh, what are the Bears doing? I mean, I understand needing to get your quarterback of the future, and if you feel really strongly about him, I guess what you give up doesn't matter, but they've moved up one spot. Who's going to trade up for him? I really don't know. I I liked, prior to the draft, I thought the Bears had a chance to – I love their roster. I like Jordan Howard a lot, Kyle Long, they, uh, Josh Sitton. They have a great interior offensive line. Matt Bar- or not Matt Barkley, the, the Mike Glennon can really sling it around. And then on defense, they have Kyle Fuller getting healthy this year, Leonard Floyd, uh, Mc- Pernell McPhee, Jarrell Freeman, Jane Trevathan. I mean, you just keep naming talented player after player. The Bears have a talented roster, and they had a chance to win this draft, take it to the next level. And instead, in my opinion, they wasted a pick 
on a quarterback. Yeah, that was really bad. They could have, I mean, in such a deep draft like this, they could have really put their team, I'm not over the top because, I mean, I don't know what Mike Glennon is going to do. But, yeah, they could have they could have been a top 15 roster in the NFL, especially with some of the talent they have on defense, which is actually underrated. They were not that terrible on defense until until a lot of injuries started hitting. But, yeah. And as for someone who I didn't expect to go in the first round, I was kind of surprised that Gary and Conley went 24. I thought he was going to fall to, like, the third round because you really didn't know what was going to happen with the situation. And apparently it's going to take, like, over a month to find out exactly what happened and whether he's he's cleared. So that was interesting. I think Mike Mayock said it best after that pick. He said, if I'm the owner and my general manager comes up and he says, you know, Conley's the number two cornerback on our board. He's still here at, at – 24 wherever they picked we really we we feel good about his legal situation we want to pick him and Mike Mayock said my answer to that would be you pick him but you better be right and at the end of the day that's really the end all be on that situation yeah I mean I I think it would be different if it was a quarterback because like Ryan Pace from the Bears the Bears GM pretty much put his entire job on the line I'm not sure if Reggie McKenzie from the Raiders put his job on the line with this pick but I mean that's a big hit if Conley doesn't get cleared and isn't isn't able to play as much as they want him to. We've talked about Trubisky. Let's talk about the other top three quarterbacks that went off the board: Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Kaiser. I thought all three of those quarterbacks ended up in ideal situations for both their teams and and them. Trubisky aside, the other three had pretty good nights, and so did their teams. Yeah, Mahomes went to a really nice spot because he can just sit behind Alex Smith for like a year or two and just learn. And Andy Reid is one of the best uh, coordinators or coaches with quarterbacks. So I really like Mahomes' potential there. I think Andy Reid could really work with him. As for Watson, he's also going to a good quarterback coach. And Bill O'Brien, uh, he must have, Bill O'Brien must have really liked him to trade up from 27 to 12 to get him. And yeah, you mentioned Kaiser. Uh, I know you didn't like him pre-draft but getting him at pick 52 in the second round uh when the browns had so many picks to work with i thought that was that was a fantastic pick when i I saw that pick i thought that makes a ton of sense and they got outstanding value with that pick yeah absolutely because they have so many picks this year and the next year and they have nothing to lose they could go 0-16 1-15 next year and it doesn't matter because they have a bunch of picks and they just need to rebuild their roster and if kaiser works out that's an A-plus draft already. And Daniel Jeremiah made the point on the NFL Network broadcast that when you take a quarterback at the end of the second round, like Deshaun Kaiser, you're taking him to kind of be a project to see what he's made of. And if you, 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 you experiment for a year, you don't really like him, that's okay. You're probably going to have a top-five pick next year. Get your quarterback of the future, whether it's the USC guy, the UCLA guy, whoever you like. They're not married to a quarterback. They're dating one. And now the Browns have an interesting situation as to who they start on day one, whether it be Kaiser, Osweiler, or Cody Kessler. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Osweiler is still on that team. To be honest, I thought he would. I thought he would get cut by this point. But yeah, I don't. I don't mind Cody Kessler. I think he he has some potential. Uh, Kaiser. A lot of draft analysts really like Kaiser, and they thought he was the quarterback one in this draft. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. That'll be a good uh, a good competition in camp. I was happy for the Texans as a franchise and for those fans 
But as a Titans homer, I was very disappointed with the Deshaun Watson pick because I think that has a ton of potential to work out for that team. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about this last last time. I really liked Watson. I thought he was the best quarterback in this draft. So I was kind of hoping they were trading up for either Kaiser or, or Davis Webb or Peterman or someone someone <laughs> bad. But, uh, yeah, that didn't work out. They, they went Watson. I mean, Watson still has a, a lot of question marks about his velocity and some of his decision making. But yeah, I think that was a good pick for the Texans, and he's gonna—I think he's gonna start the entire year. I don't buy the—I don't buy the Tom Savage starting rumors. So, who were some? We mentioned Trubisky, but other than him, who were some? Not picks that necessarily surprised you, but just some kind of head scratchers in the first couple of days. I'll give you my answers. My head scratchers were. Joe Mixon to the Bengals and John Ross to the Bengals because the Bengals took a wide receiver in the first round last year. They have A.J. Green, Tyler Eifert. I didn't think they needed another wide receiver. And taking Joe Mixon, I had heard the rumors that they were looking running back, and I never understood them, and I still don't. When you have Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, why draft a running back, let alone one with character issues? Yeah, I mean, we a lot of people saw that coming. It, I mean, the Bengals just don't care. They do not care about character. They've showed in the past. They think they could change these guys, but I, I mean, you can't. You, some of these guys you really can't change. So yeah, I saw them taking Mixon. I was I wasn't surprised by that. Um, I let, Jeremy Hill, he hasn't been good for like the past year and a half or so. So I see why they would want to upgrade that position. And also, Gio Bernard is coming off a torn ACL. So, yeah, I kind of saw the mix and pick. Uh, I wasn't too surprised. I was surprised by the Panthers taking Curtis Samuel in the second round because they took Christian McCaffrey. That was interesting. In the that first was interesting. Round. Yeah, they're clearly trying to get more explosive and change their offense because I don't know if you've heard, but Kelvin Benjamin reported uh, to camp or to OTAs at 280 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Which, which I have not, not heard that. Not good for for a receiver, but yeah, he, he, he doesn't have much accountability. So I was surprised by that Samuel pick. Uh, him and McCaffrey play pretty much the same type of role, so it'll be interesting how they get both of them on the on the offense together. I was also a little bit surprised by Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram to the Giants. Not that I think he's a bad player at all, but he's not really a tight end. I thought, they would take, a, I thought they would take Njoku at that spot. Yeah, that, I thought that too. And as a UM, UM alum, I really wanted Njoku to go there because I thought, I thought that was a good fit. I mean, he went to the Browns a couple picks later, which is fine. But yeah, Ingram, now they have Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, and Odell Beckham. That is a bunch of mouths to feed, and they still have so many questions on the offensive line. So I, I was surprised by that. When you said the uh, Kelvin Benjamin thing, I immediately thought of someone else who I figured would be around that same size, and I was confirmed in my suspicion. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin is now bigger than Carl Klug, who sits at six <laughs> two to seventy five. That's eh, maybe maybe Kelvin Benjamin could be a nice uh, nice defensive end for them. They do need some help on. Uh, actually, no, their line is fine. He's going to need to find another position. Um. So, uh, who do you think got the biggest draft steal? We talked about Hooker. I, I like that pick a lot, but I think the biggest draft steals both came in the form of linebackers. Reuben Foster at pick uh, 30 to the 49ers was incredible value. Who cares about the injury stuff and the character stuff at that point? And uh, 
Zach Cunningham late in the second to the he went to Houston, didn't he? To the Houston Texans. Uh, yes, he did. I had him above uh, Jared Davis and Hassan Reddick, who both went ahead of him on my board because I think he could become a Levante David type of will linebacker. Yeah, I mentioned last time on the podcast that I thought Ruben Foster was a top three talent in this draft, and getting him at 31 is just an absolute steal. As for other um, good picks, I thought the Ravens killed it in the third round. They got they got Tim Williams out of Alabama, the edge rusher, with the 78th pick, and then they got – what was the other guy they got? They got another – oh, they got Tyce Bowser, another edge player out of Houston who's a really dominant player. And their defense is going to be absolutely stacked this year. Kind of a point about general draft theory and draft philosophy. Every single year, there's the two or three players that have the character flags. And every single year, there's the two or three players that have the injury flags. And I'm not talking about someone like Jalen Smith last year or Todd Gurley the year before who had just literally endured a serious injury. I'm talking about the Jonathan Allen stuff, the Miles Jack stuff, where they have this obscure condition that no one's ever heard of, and somehow it's only going to allow them to be so successful and it seems like after these guys with these conditions are taken we never hear about it again so why do teams still care i don't know and this year this was the shoulder injury year because every every single top prospect that had medical concerns it was their shoulder it was jonathan allen it was uh reuben foster i think even buddha baker or another player also had shoulder concerns and john ross had john ross had the knees Right, John Ross had shoulder surgery as well, so I, I don't know what is what it is with the shoulders, but teams clearly took into account a lot of these things, and apparently Reuben Foster felt because of those medical concerns, it wasn't the diluted sample uh, from the combine, which was interesting because Jabril Peppers didn't fall at, like we thought he would either, uh, who also he also had a diluted sample. So, yeah, teams really really do check into those medicals and they do care. And it's interesting because when I look at a player, there are, you know, a couple, like, let's say I'm looking at a cornerback. Are they fast? Okay. Do they have ball skills? Okay. Do they have loose hips? Okay. And are they a, a good character guy? Am I, I going to have to worry about them getting arrested on a Friday night? No? Okay. Boom. Let's draft this guy. I'm not concerned if in 10 years we might have to m- monitor his medical situation because he has this weird condition. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. That's what people were talking about. Jonathan Allen before the draft they didn't they didn't want him on the Titans because of his shoulder concerns. But it wasn't going to be a problem until fifteen, twenty years down the road. It doesn't matter when he's playing for the Titans for only what five to ten years if we're lucky. So it really doesn't matter to us or to the team. So let's move in, move on, and talk about the Titans draft specifically. And I just kind of want to go over every single pick, and we'll start with the fifth overall pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, one of your favorite prospects, Corey Davis. It, it, it shocked me in the sense that they took him that early, but it didn't shock me because I knew they loved him and I knew he was perfect for what Malarkey does. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to take him at five. I thought I was getting ready to hear Jamal Adams or Jonathan Allen. And I, I thought, I thought Adam, it would be Adam, Jamal Adams at five. Yeah, I, I, I thought so too. And then I heard Corey Davis and I kind of blacked out a little bit. Because I really didn't expect him to, to go at five. But if there was one player that I wanted to come out of this draft with, 
it was Corey Davis. So I'm incredibly happy. By the way, now that I think about it, I was thinking about this the other day. We all remember in 2015 when, with the second overall pick of the draft, the Titans took quarterback Marcus Mariato out of Oregon. <laughs> Do you ever remember the commissioner butchering a name that badly since then? He, he absolutely botched it. The No, the only thing, there was like a guest announcer this year who uh, was doing the Jets chant, and he said J-E-T-E, Jets. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious, but no, he the commissioner hasn't botched it that bad since. By the way, while we're on this subject, I'm sure you saw this. The Drew Pearson announcing of Chidobia Woozy was incredible. I didn't I didn't hear it. Oh no, you mean that he that he was rallying up the Eagles fans. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was awesome. That was hilarious. That was cool. So uh moving on, uh Adoree Jackson with the eighteenth pick. I thought they'd go OJ Howard. I was wrong. But I liked this pick a lot because I think he can bring a lot to this team from day one. Yeah, honestly, I kind of wanted Tredavious White because I thought he was a better cornerback prospect. And uh, he seemed like a safer pick. But, yeah, I- I've looked at some Adore Jackson games, and the their coaches had him playing off coverage a lot, like 10 yards back. So that was interesting. But he gets up, he gets up in there. He's a very aggressive cornerback. Really good tackler. Uh, I'm not sure I, I've seen that, but he's a good tackler. He has good ball skills. And I watched the game against John Ross. He, the one play, yeah, he fell down, and John Ross called like a 70-yard touchdown or something. But John Ross did, really didn't do that much in that game. Jackson held him in check for the most part, and Jackson got two picks in that game. So he does have the ball skills. Does he have to improve? Of course, everyone has to improve. But from day one, he's going to be a dynamic punt returner, and I've been waiting to say that, that we have one of those for I don't even know how long. So We thought we were getting one in Dexter McCluster a couple of years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, that didn't work out as planned, did it? My goodness. He he, he, he just looked slow anytime I yeah, saw he, him with the ball. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't even look fast. He was like 5'8", 160, and he wasn't even fast. It was terrible. Uh, next up, uh, Taewon Taylor in the third round. As I told you before we started, I talked to um, his coach from Western Kentucky, Coach Brom, earlier today, and that'll be on the podcast in a, a couple weeks or something. But uh, he's a guy, very agile, great route runner, doesn't have the top-end speed, but he's going to fight, and he's, nitty, he's, he's a gritty player, and he can run good routes. And that's what Malarkey and Robinson, again, like in their wide receivers. Yeah, when the Titans traded up for, for that pick, I thought I actually thought it was going to be Duke Riley, the linebacker out of LSU. That's, that's what uh, I was thinking. Made, yeah, he made sense at that point. Uh, he went like three picks later, I think, uh, because we did we needed a linebacker who could cover and who could also play the run. So Duke Riley would have fit, but we'll talk about a different linebacker later. Uh, I've watched some Taiwan Taylor film. Uh, he, he played with two quarterbacks. One of the quarterbacks actually uh, was invited for a tryout by the Titans. Uh, this offseason, so that'll be interesting. But Taylor is really good in the middle of the field. He's going to be a perfect slot receiver. He finds pockets of space, and when he gets the ball, he's he's pretty explosive. He, he can make tacklers miss. Uh, he can juke them. He can do some things. And I saw some some nifty diving catches on, on long passes. And um, I can't remember the pro football focus stat, but I think he had like 900-something yards on 20 on passes that were 20-plus yards. So if he can give us that that element that we thought Kendall Wright could give us, 
then we're going to be fantastic as an offense. And on your point, I told someone this the other day, and then I heard it again from uh, John McLean of the Houston Chronicle on the radio yesterday. Taewon Taylor could very well become what Kendall Wright never did for the Titans. Yeah, he, he's kind of similar to him, like 5'11", 5'10"-ish, uh, not that big, like 190 pounds. Kendall Wright, he had that one. He had a 1,000 yard season with us. He was he was on the verge of becoming a really good receiver for us, but injuries and coaching changes and I guess clashes with coaches didn't let him reach his full potential. But I really think Taylor is going to give us that vertical threat that we haven't had it in a long time. And on the point of Kendall Wright, I loved where he ended up with the Bears because Dowell Loggins, who's the Bears' offensive coordinator, was the Titans' offensive coordinator when he caught 90 balls for 1,000 yards in 2013. So there's a good chance that he could have a great year next year. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. I, I like him. I like him as a person. I like him as a player, and I'm cheering for him to, for, to do well in Chicago. Yeah, he was, he was always nice. I got to talk to him a couple of times when he was here, but he, he was always a really nice guy. The fans always liked him. And, and there's just, you know, those picks every now and then where they're they're super talented and it just doesn't work out at the end of the day. Yeah, it happens. There's picks in every draft that just don't work out, and then they work out for another team. Someone like Andre Branch for the Jaguars, they picked him rather high. They thought he was going to pan out. He didn't pan out. And then he goes to the Dolphins, and he has – he has a career year, and then he gets a big contract, so it happens. Next up, Johnny Smith, the tight end out of Florida International. I, I thought this pick was a head-scratcher at first because I, I was reading a, a report on him that said he had a chance to be make a roster as an inline blocker. But then I started learning more about him, and I think he has a chance to be a, a really good player, especially in this offense. He's an inline tight end. He's got 4'6 speed. He's got, he, he's got size. But he's really tough. And I found where, I think as a junior, he tore his ACL in a game, ended up playing through it and finishing the game with 10 catches for over 160 yards and two scores. This is also the same guy that had his pregnant girlfriend dump boiling water on him, causing him to miss a game with severe burns. Just a tough kid and a lot of upside. Yeah, that's the kind of player that John Robinson loves. And he is incredibly athletic. As a, as at his size, and we we've heard of the the Delaney Walker cost, but he's a bit taller than him, a bit bigger than him. Uh, I saw a an interesting article on the tight end and their odds of NFL success. And in this draft class, Johnu Smith actually has the highest level of NFL success out of all of the tight ends over OJ Howard and Joku Engram. He's like he's the most likely to start over or equal to 64 games. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, when I get asked, which is rare, but I do get asked this every now and then by, by friends and other people who know that I'm around the Titans a lot, what do these players <clears throat> look like when you're up around them? And, you know, there's some guys like Marcus Mariota. He just looks like an, uh, any other guy, even though he is, you know, 6'4 and a quarterback. There have been three guys throughout my time around the Titans that just their bodies stood out to me. Chance Warmack was enormous. Doriel Green Beckham is the most athletic human being I've ever seen. And Delaney Walker's arms, they're huge. I mean, yeah. it, it's insane. He's built, he's built so compact. He's only like six feet tall. But he's so thick, and he's just 
He's such a good player, too. I love him. So now we go to uh, day three, the first pick of day three, where I was actually with Taylor Lewan when he announced this for NFL Network, one of the most chaotic things I've ever been a part of. Uh, Jayon Brown, the linebacker out of UCLA. I talked to his linebackers coach from UCLA who also coached another Titan. Um, uh, what's his name? Aaron Wallace, our seventh-round draft pick last year. Uh, and Smith is a guy who's probably going to come in on day one, have a big role on special teams both ways, both both on uh, kick coverage and kickoff return. And he's also probably going to be playing a lot of third downs as a nickel and dime linebacker. Yeah, Joe Marino, who's a draft analyst, uh, he had Brown, Jalen Brown, as uh, one of his top sleepers at linebacker. And yeah, he's just apparently he's a really good cover corner. I haven't watched his tape yet, but going by what I've read, a really good cover, not cover corner, cover linebacker, uh, can cover tight ends, can cover running backs. Really athletic. He's he didn't run a fast forty, but John Robinson said that he he was really fast in uh, in the workout. So. That was interesting. We've needed a cover linebacker for so for so long. No longer will we be getting destroyed by the likes of Eric Swoop and and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, uh, CJ Fedorowitz. Oh my god, he destroyed us. <laughs> all of the all of the Texans tight ends destroyed us. Yeah, no longer will that happen. Uh, I'm excited for him. I'm hoping for sure. that uh, I, I'm assuming anyway that uh, either Tom Savage or Deshaun Watson will be the next quarterback to join the list of quarterbacks to start against the Titans at NRG Stadium to look like Joe Montana in a Texans uniform. I can't wait for that, because, because, because we already have Matt Schaub, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Brian Hoyer on that list. So Fitzpatrick. Didn't he score like six touchdowns against us? And one of them was to, to uh, J.J. Watt. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good Lord. Uh, when I talked to uh, – Jayon Brown's linebackers coach, Coach White, and that audio will be on the podcast in a couple weeks. I flat out asked him at one point, I said, the Titans are terrible at covering tight ends and running backs. Will Jayon be able to help that? He said, absolutely. Jayon, he said, and I don't understand, you know, people saying he has a lack of size. He played at a, a, a big school, and he had to tackle big running backs. I'm not worried about his lack of size, and he will absolutely be able to fill that role for the Titans. And that that really got me excited, the fact that his coach was that passionate about his abilities. Yeah, I mean, he's six foot 230. That, that's fine for a linebacker. I don't know what else, what else you want, maybe a couple inches, but it's really not a big deal. Uh, yeah, some of the clips I've seen of him in coverage are, are fantastic. And uh, apparently he's a really, really humble guy. Always has a smile on his face. So that's a John Robinson guy if I've ever, if I've ever heard. Next up, and this, this was kind of the, this, this was the first of the Titans' two offensive line picks, and it, it's interesting. I think Corey Levin, um, the guy from UT Chattanooga. I also talked to his head coach yesterday from when he was at UT Chattanooga, and the, the coach said that. Again, and this audio will be on the podcast. His coach said if he makes the Titans roster, it's going to be because of his his work ethic, number one, but also his his durability and his versatility. He actually told me that he thinks Corey, who played both tackle spots and guard for them at UT Chattanooga, could potentially become a center in the NFL. And I think that's where the Titans drafted him because they're pretty deep at guard, especially with adding uh, 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 Seton later on in the draft. I think they might be trying to play him at center and potentially replace a more expensive Tim Lelito on the roster. 
Yeah, John Robinson said in a press conference that Levin actually snapped really well when they worked him out. So he's definitely going to play some center as well as guard. Uh, Jim Coburn, who does a lot of metric stuff for the draft, uh, really likes Corey Levin. He called him a beast, and he said he's going to start right away. Uh, I don't know if he's going to unseat Josh Klein right away, but, I mean, that's pretty high praise to say that he'll just jump into one of the best offensive lines and just start right away. I really don't know much about him. It's interesting that he's from Chattanooga because the Titans have also uh, talked to Keontae Davis, who's also from Chattanooga, a defensive end, who currently has a spine injury, spine-neck injury. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent, but uh, I could easily see him picking up. So interesting that they that they, they might have two players from Chattanooga. Usually when you get to the seventh round in the draft, you're kind of taking flyers on guys that you think might have a chance to make your roster, might make your practice squad a little bit better. I think all three of the Titans' seventh round picks have, A, a, a phenomenal chance to make the final 53, but, but B, they got a ton of value, I feel like, out of these three picks, starting with Josh Carraway, the offensive, excuse me, the outside linebacker from TCU. I've been saying, and so has Will, our other editor at Titan Size, for, for months, that the Titans need to add a, a twitchy speed edge rusher to kind of be a change of pace guy from the Morgan Arakpo Dodd trio. That's who they get in Josh Carraway, and he will, I believe, immediately have a role as a rotational guy and a situational pass rusher. Yeah, I'm a big Caraway fan. I said between him and Joe Mathis, I wanted either one of those players. Uh, I, yeah, I like Caraway. Apparently, he's not as physical as you'd like him to be, but he was playing defensive end for Kansas State, and I think he fits much better as an as an outside linebacker in a three four, which is what the Titans play. With Kevin Dodd, a complete question mark at this point. It's completely up in the air. I think Caraway is going to come come right in and just be the the backup the backup to Arakpo and Derek Morgan right away because I think Aaron Walsh fits more into the inside linebacker role uh, in a 3-4 defense. Uh, Brad Seaton was the Titans' next pick, the tackle slash guard. And uh, I don't know a ton about him, but I saw a video that someone from the Titans' uh, SB Nation account tweeted out, a video of him just mauling defensive linemen from other teams. And that immediately got me excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw the video. He was killing people. <laughs> he was killing his competition. He's a massive man. He's almost like 6'9", 330, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, in that same video, he was kind of slow, which is to be expected from a from a tackle that went to Villanova and a tackle that's that big. But, yeah, I, I, I think I prefer him. I haven't seen them both play together, but... I think I prefer him to Dennis Kelly because I'm not a, a very big Dennis Kelly fan. I didn't think he was that great uh, when he came in. He was fine in the Packers game when Lewin got ejected, but I, I didn't love him that much. Um, when I saw that video, and Terry Lambert's the one who tweeted that out, I just remembered. Um, mm -hmm. It reminded me of watching The Blind Side and watching Michael Orr in high school. Yeah, it did seem similar. <laughs> that's funny. And by the way, on that point, that's one of my favorite movies. I'm not a huge movie guy, but that's a movie that I will sit down and watch. And I really wish that Michael Orr was not hot garbage when he played for the Titans, but he really was. Man, I almost forgot that he played for the Titans. He was really bad for us. Oh, man. I mean, when, 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 Ken, when Ken Wisenhunt has to cut you from your contract – 
Oh my! God. You know it's been a rough go. Wizzing heart, man. I cannot believe that guy was our coach. He was horrible. Um, f- the final Titans draft pick and one of my favorites was when I, when I made that piece that we talked about last week of the top five needs. I was debating whether or not I make I made my fifth need the speed rusher or a scat back, and I went with speed rusher. But scat back was a close sixth, and they got it in Kalfani Muhammad, who has four three speed. He can play on kick coverage. He can return kickoffs. And that's just incredible value. And John Robinson, I heard or I heard Mike Malarkey say this morning on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville that when they worked out Kalfani Muhammad, uh, he had one of the best pass-catching running back workouts he had ever seen. Yeah, I really like this pick. Uh, I, I was kind of expecting them to address the running back position from a pass-catching receiving standpoint, and I wasn't surprised to see to see that happen with the last pick in the draft. Uh, Evan Silva, who who does great work for Roto World, doesn't think he has a chance to make it in the NFL because he's really small. He's 5'7", 170-something. And I, I understand that, but I really do think he's going to make this team because our first two running backs are DeMarco Murray, who's a good pass catcher, but he's a bigger back, and Derrick Henry, who's a huge back. I think Muhammad compliments them perfectly, and I think – I actually think he's going to win the kick return job because I was watching some of his some of his tape from from Cal and he's a really good kick returner and I, I'm kind of excited for him. I don't I, I'm on this website that's called per, PlayerProfiler.com and it gives you comparables uh, NFL pro comparisons for for players and Kalfani Muhammad's pro comparable is Larod Stevens Howling. I don't know if you remember. Him, I remember him, but he, he did. He played for the Cardinals several years ago. Yeah. Really fast running back. Really small, really fast running back, good pass catcher, and he can return if you want. So I thought that was a very interesting comp, and I'm excited to see what he could do. I think the people who compare him, and I've heard this from some fans on Twitter, that compare him to Darren Sproles, that's almost like comparing the Leonard Fournette to Adrian Peterson. It's a, it's a little bit of a lazy comparison because Kalfani Muhammad is a small running back, but he's much faster than Darren Sproles ever was, but he's not near as quick and shifty, and I just think that's a bit of a misleading comparison. I agree. Sproles is one of the best receiving backs of all time. He, he's an unbelievable player, and he has been forever. He, he's just so instinctual in what he does. He's a great pass catcher. He's not that fast, but he's, he's, he's quick. I, I, don't, I don't like comparing just whoever's the smallest running back to him i agree that is a, a lazy comparison i do like the steven talent comparison I think, I think that's pretty pretty accurate i think an interesting comparison and i just looked this up to confirm what i was thinking is danny woodhead the size is mm-hmm. almost exactly the same and the 40 yard dash time is almost exactly the same and they're both kind of those straight line speed guys who may not really make you miss in the hole but they they're, they're nifty out of the backfield catching the ball and can return kickoffs yeah, when I was watching some of his tape, he was playing with Jared Goff, which was interesting. It just brought it all full circle. But yeah, he 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 was showing some decent decent inside running ability, and he he plays bigger than his size. He really doesn't play like one of those air backs. He he, he gets up in there and he'll he'll try to run you over. I don't know if he can, but he'll try. So um, the Titans clearly went into this draft saying. We like our roster, especially on the defensive line and at safety, but we have a couple of glaring needs that we really need to fill, so let's get that done. They got it done, but what at this point would you say is still 
a spot that maybe next year the Titans look at improving because you're not really going to improve anything at this point of the offseason. Definitely the secondary and uh, prob- I mean, what are they going to improve on offense next year? They seem to be set for at least the duration of these rookie contracts. There are three receivers, or Rashard Matthews, Corey Davis, and Taiwan Taylor. That's set. Delaney Walker and Johnny Smith are set as the tight ends, and Philip Supernall also. Our quarterback is set. Our running backs are set, and our offensive line is also set. Unless, unless some sort of catastrophic injury happens. I've been I've been saying this for months, and it kind of became official when he got the fifth year option exercised. Taylor Lewan is going to get a big time contract extension any day now. Yeah, he's going to be a top five paid tackle in the league, and he deserves it because honestly, he was he's been so good since he's been here. He was a little inconsistent. His first couple of years, but he put it all together last year. He was fantastic. You know, one thing about him, and he's just enormous. I mean, when you see him in person, he's huge. But when I watched that, that Packers game, and I just see how lean he is, and he's very athletic for a tackle, but then he comes off the field for the ejection, and Dennis Kelly goes in, and I immediately realized just how it's something that – when you look at the perfect tackle, some of them have it, some of them don't. Taylor Lewan has it. Dennis Kelly just looked not fat, but more plump than Taylor. Taylor was just so stocky, and he's just the ideal left tackle these days in the NFL. He run blocks, he pass protects, and he's very athletic. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was an oversight on my part, but I was watching like Marcus Mariota, uh, a mic'd up segment. And he was standing next to Taylor Luan, who I thought was like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and Luan was like four inches taller than him easily. So I'm guessing Luan is like 6'7". He's 6'7". Six, 6'7", seven. Six, seven. Six, seven is huge. And like you said, he's very athletic. I mean, he caught a touchdown pass last year. He looked, he looked good doing it. So uh, I, I, I know who you're probably going to say for this, but who was your favorite pick that the Titans made? I mean, I love Corey Davis, but I really like that Taiwan Taylor pick. Wow. Uh, I, I thought you were like going to say I Davis about, for sure. I know. I love him. I love him. But but there's something about Taiwan Taylor. And like I said about that player profiler, which gives you a pro comparison, Taiwan Taylor's best comparable is Doug Baldwin. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Doug Baldwin two years ago I would have told you was average at best and over the last two seasons he he has been dominant in the slot for yeah, Seattle exactly in the slot and T- Taylor's best position is as a slot receiver and a lot of his game is very similar to Doug Baldwin's game I'm not saying he's going to be Doug Baldwin but I think he has a really good chance at being close to him that's the first time I've heard that comparison and now that I think about it that's a really good comparison mm-hmm yeah, you should go to that website, playerprofiler.com. It's, th- that website's actually hilarious because Derrick Henry's best pro comparable is Zangief from Street Fighter, who's like 6'7", 254. So that's pretty funny. Um, John Robinson said before the draft that his goal was to not have to dive back into free agency afterwards to fill any remaining needs. If he does dive back into free agency, what do you think it will be to add? It'll be cornerback, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think the front, the Titans' front office is more than set on their secondary players, much more than Titans fans are, because Titans fans still want they want a cornerback, they want secondary players. But 
I think they're fine with who they have, and I think they like LaShawn Sims a lot more than a lot of fans do. I like LaShawn Sims. I, I think he's getting a little bit of unfair criticism. I mean, he was a fifth-round rookie last year, and he was fine. He really was not bad at all. And I'm interested to see what he does in his second year. And to the people who are saying they didn't address their cornerback need, what are you talking about? On the first day of free agency, they signed Logan Ryan to a contract worth $11 million a year to be their starter. And then on day one of the draft, they make one of their first-round draft picks a Dory Jackson. What do you mean they didn't address the cornerback need? They got two of them, two starting cornerbacks. And Bryce McCain wasn't all that bad in the slot last year. Yeah, I'm going to do an article about this, about what they've gained and what they've upgraded. It is stunning how much better they've gotten as a team. This team went 9-7 and seven last year, and they've gone from Harry Douglas and Andre Johnson to Corey Davis and Taiwan Taylor, from McCordy and Parrish Cox or Valentino Blake to Logan Ryan and Adore Jackson. They added Jonathan Cyprian. It went from Mar- Mark Mariani to Eric Weems, Adore Jackson, or Muhammad. And they went from Sean Spence to J.R. Brown. This team is going to be really good next year. Um, I saw a quote. I don't remember who wrote this article, but it was on NFL.com, and it was like grading drafts for teams that improved. And he, it was a great quote, and I really liked it. He said, last year the Titans went 9-7 and seven with a meat and potatoes roster, and this, yeah, this yeah. year they added the sizzle in the draft. I think it was Greg Rosenthal. Yeah, he does a lot of good work for, around the NFL. Yeah, they, they around the NFL they do like their own podcast. They loved the, the Titans last year, uh, Chris Wessling in particular, and pretty much every every like analyst or NFL analyst is really excited about the about the future of this team. And how can you not be? John Robinson has put together two fantastic off seasons, and I'm really excited to see where this team is headed. So let's talk for our last 15 minutes or so about some teams other than the Titans that really helped themselves. I have three written down that I want to discuss, and then I'll ask if there are any others you want to talk about. The three that I have written down are the Browns, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. The Browns, as I said, they needed to wait on their quarterback and get three players at the top of the second and with their two ones that can can help transform their roster. And they did that with Garrett, with Jabril Peppers, who I loved, and with David Njoku. I thought that was a, a an outstanding decision to trade back up into the first round and get him. The 49ers duped the Bears into giving up what three threes and a four to move up one spot. Get Solomon Thomas, get Reuben Foster, two outstanding players. John Lynch is clear, clearly knows what he's doing. And the Arizona Cardinals, who I picked to win the Super Bowl last year and ended up missing the playoffs, they did a great job with getting Hassan Reddick because they needed an inside linebacker and an edge player and getting Buda Baker to replace Tony Jefferson, who I think could end up being much better for them than Tony Jefferson was. Yeah, I loved I loved what the Browns did. They got Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, and Njoku in the first round. They stockpiled picks for this year and for next year. They got Kaiser. They got Roderick Johnson, who might be a good uh, tackle for them in the future. Uh, they also got the, a DT out of Charlotte, who has good potential. They drafted Caleb Brantley, who's an interesting case because he was one of the best defensive line prospects. But uh, he had a domestic violence uh, case that I think is still open. So, yeah, but, I mean, if, it, if that pans out, this is an A-plus draft for them. Uh, some teams I really liked. Uh, I liked what the Colts did, unfortunately, but I'm not going to talk about them because of the Colts. Uh, I really liked what the Dallas Cowboys did. I thought their 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 defense got so much better just by this draft. 
They got Taco Charlton, Chidobe Awuzie, Jordan Lewis, and Xavier Woods. And that's three players to their second. Those last three are three players to their secondary. They was one of the worst in the league last year. And they also got Ryan Switzer, who's just Cole Beasley all over again. So that was interesting. And I hate to say it, but I really thought the Bengals had a really good draft. Uh, I'm going to cheer even more against them because of that Joe Mixon pick and because of my feelings towards their organization as a whole. But they got John Ross, Joe Mixon, Jordan Willis, Carl Lawson, Josh Malone. Ryan Glasgow is an interesting pick as well. And, yeah, I think they had a really good draft. I kind of got over the Bengals after that Pittsburgh playoff game they had in 2015. Uh the where Pac-Man Jones posted the video to Instagram afterwards talking about whoever Jerry Porter is. And that was just, that was a really bad night for Bengals football and the city of Cincinnati. Yeah. They just, I don't like them. I don't, I don't like anything about them at all, except for AJ green. I, he's one of my favorite players to watch, but other than him, I don't like anything about them. Not even their, their Jersey while well, their helmets are cool, but as an organization, I really don't like them. All right, so as we finish out today's show, as we do every week, we finish out with the actual three and out segment for which the show is named, where I ask our guests three quick hit questions. Uh, but these these aren't really hit quick hit questions. These are ones that we can both really discuss. Uh, and the three and out questions today are simple. I want to hear your favorite pick. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I thought this was good value. I thought, you know, this team got what they needed. Just a pick you really liked from each of the three days. For the Titans? No, no, for all the, the whole NFL. Okay, well, first of all, I loved Corey Davis because I really like him. I know I said he wasn't my favorite Titans pick, but I love him as a person, as a player, and as what he brings to this team. I, I'm, I'm just elated to have him. For the second day, I'm going to go, hmm, this is interesting because I really love Zay Jones. I've been hyping him up pretty much all through the pre-draft process. But the problem with him is that he went to the Bills, which right now is one of the most dysfunctional organizations in the entire league. So I, I wish he had gone to, to a better place. The, the pick I love from, from the second day is Carlos Henderson. I talked about him in the last podcast as one of my favorite sleepers. And I thought he, I was fine with him or Taiwan Taylor at that 72 spot for the Titans. But Henderson went to the Broncos 10 picks later, and I love what he's going to be able to do with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and whoever their quarterback is. Uh, as for the – go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, as for the last day, um, that's a tough one because there were so many players uh, that I really did like and I wanted for the tight ends. But one of them is Xavier Woods, the safety from Louisiana Tech. I think he's going to go into the Cowboys team. And I think he's going to start right away because they're kind of devoid of defensive talent. And he he's a very talented player. So I'm interested to see how his career plays out in Dallas. I'll give mine to day one. I mean, the number one overall pick, Miles Garrett, he can transform that Browns defense. Number two, I'll go Zach Cunningham because I think the Texans got great value with him. And day three, I really liked the Broncos picking Jake Butt. I think that could really work out well for both parties. You mentioned the Bills, and I want to hit that before we close out. When you fire not just your general manager, but your entire scouting department the day after the NFL draft, that screams dysfunction more than 
anything else I can think of. Yeah, apparently the guy that was making all the picks and pulling on the strings was their new coach, McDermott, who was the defensive coordinator for the for the Panthers. Why are you giving full control to a new head coach? I don't understand. And, I mean, I love Zay Jones, and I liked Tredavis White also who they got. But other than that, they, they had it. I don't know. They, they have so many holes on their team. I have no idea the direction they're headed in, and I'm kind of upset by it because I really like – uh, Sean McCoy and I really like Tyrod Taylor so I hope they go to different teams and find find success somewhere else I understand why if you're going to fire your scouting department anyway why I understand why you retain them through the draft because you fire them there's two months three months till the draft there's not a ton of time to get work done they've already visited the schools keep them around let's hear what they have to say and then we show them the door once the draft is over we pay them you know through April what I don't understand is why do you keep your talking head of a general manager through then? Yeah, I don't know. Just fire him before the draft. I really don't understand the the perks of waiting until after the draft. You don't look better. You don't help him out. You don't help your organization out. I really, I really don't know what they're doing. I have no idea. Well, on that note, I think we're going to close it out. Matthias, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, it was fun. Looking forward to the next time. Um, I plan on doing another episode probably in two weeks with all of the interviews I, I will have with coaches from college of, of t- players that the Titans drafted. The ones I've already talked to, as I mentioned, I talked to UT Chattanooga's former coach who coached Corey Levin. I've talked to UCLA's linebackers coach who coached Jayon Brown. And I talked to uh, Western Kentucky's former head coach who coached Taewon Taylor I believe I'll be talking to Josh Carraway's coach at some point later this week. I'm waiting to hear back from USC. I actually, I won't be able to talk to him, but I'll get some, some quotes from him. So we'll do all of that in two weeks in our, our next podcast episode. So be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at Luke underscore Worsham. So you get all of the updates on that, and, and you can listen to all those interviews because I'm going to tell you that they are some pretty cool interviews, and I don't just say that. It, it's really interesting to hear what those coaches have to say about their players. Uh, But as for us, today we are out. For Matthias Wadner, I am Luke Worsham saying goodbye, God first, and tighten up. We will see everyone in two weeks for the interview episode.